Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli, that's Danny Cannell, that's Bud Elliott, I'm Chip Patterson, coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover3, where we are to give you those week 11 locks every 11 a.m. Thursday. This is a date. If you want to come and hang out, jump in the chat, tell us what kind of picks you like, and of course, react to the locks that we are giving out here. Uh, reminder, if you subscribe to the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash cover3, smash the little bell for notifications. You never even have to set an alarm. We will let you know when we go live and you will know whenever new videos are posted. If you're listening to the audio product, wherever you get your podcasts, our thanks to you. And a reminder that if you want to add a question to a future mailbag episode, we're grabbing questions from the big old bag of mail every single Wednesday. Leave us a five-star review and in that review, put your question for the mailbag. We will get to it. Gentlemen, a very exciting slate ahead. We begin, as we always do, with a very quick review of last week. Uh, Tom, in week 10, five and four on the week. The wins were, well, first of all, congratulations to everybody. I mean, just really nice to see Lock Infinity 1-0 and on the season. So we'll see what happens here. There's been a lot of chatter about a certain side that's coming up this weekend. I don't know who's going to jump in on it. Uh, we'll see right there. But Tennessee plus one. Everybody gets the dub. Uh, under 37 and a half in Army Air Force. No question. Uh, also, we've got Queen Latifah, UNITY, the all, under 49 and a half in Texas A&M Auburn. Also a win. Baylor TCU, under 58 and a half. Also a win. And the Tulane UCF, under 59 and a half. Also a win. The L's came from under 54 in Michigan State, Purdue, South Alabama, plus four. Uh, man, the Colorado State, Wyoming, under 41 and a half. It was windy, but that did not depress the scoring uh, out there in Laramie. And then ULM, plus three and a half. Tom, thoughts, notes on the week that was. I hate the Sun Belt so much. I got I really need to stop betting Sun Belt games this season and locking them up because I, I bet I would I'm 55 and 42 on the season. I bet if you take out the Sun Belt, I'm 53 and 10. 55 and 42 up 8.8 units barreling down on our uh, leader bud. We will get to bud here in just a little bit. Uh, Chip it, on the lock stock. I mean, it, it looks all right. You know, I'm sitting there with, uh, you know, Tennessee plus one. You're sitting there with an under 37 and a half UNC minus two and a half, the under 49 and a half Latifah NC State getting it done. And then Alabama minus 28 and a half big L. 
like big, big giant L that I'm holding there after laying uh, four touchdowns and a hook. I already mentioned that uh, while it was windy in Laramie, we did not catch that under. Liberty plus nine and a half. And I know it was kind of a lower scoring game. Never really felt like I had a chance. Similar with UTEP plus 11 and a half. Love my five wins. Um, outside of Alabama, kind of knew what I was getting into with those other ones, but it's a five and four uh, week bringing me to 42 and 48, slowly chipping away. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to finish the season at a perfect 500. We'll see if I'll be able to do it, but it's a spray the board Saturday uh, for your boy coming up. Danny, uh, Tennessee plus one, Nebraska plus 15 against Ohio State. Also getting in on North Carolina minus two and a half. The under 49 and a half in Texas A&M Auburn. Also cashing uh, the under 60 in Missouri, Georgia. Tulsa plus 23 and a half. The losses were West Virginia plus three and a half. Washington plus seven. A lock fight loss to Bud over the total in Texas, Iowa State. Uh, you had the over 60 in that one. Rutgers plus 13 and a half uh, against Wisconsin, right? Was that the 52? Yeah, yeah it's not <laughs> even close. And then the over in uh, Notre Dame Navy was a loss, but six and five. And you are at that sweet spot, 45 and 45. You, you've achieved balance uh, minus 4.5 units with the uh, juice taken into consideration. Uh, thoughts as we begin to turn our attention to week 11. <laughs> Feels good to be at 500 after a year kind of struggling to fight my way back. I feel like we're going to have ready for the home stretch, finally take this thing home. I'm most disappointed that my pole assassin play came up short, but congrats to Bud on that lock fight, and I'm ready to go. The week winner at 6-4 and four and the season leader at 58-42. and 42. I mean, by the way, for the, the whole squad was uh, above 500, 22-17, and, and for the season, 278. Uh, so you know, pick and choose or spray the board. We're, we're trying to, to give you some, some winners here as we compete against each other. But you got the Tennessee uh, plus one, NC State minus two and a half, the under 58 and a half in Baylor TCU, the lock fight win in Texas, Iowa State, uh, Clemson, Louisville over 46 is a winner. Kansas State, Kansas under 56 and a half is a winner. The losses being uh, the bar fight loss as you decided to take the over <laughs> in the service academy instead of getting on with uh 39 9 and 1 which i guess is now 49 and 1 uh over 53 in louisiana georgia state the over 47 in virginia tech boston college and then the under 53 and a half in rice charlotte uh thoughts on the week so some luck on my side and, and some bad luck on my side um I, I really don't think that the army air force thing was bad luck you know if, if you do like the hey here's the total yardage but that stuff happens in in those games, and I, I don't think that like, I don't think the under was like no doubt nuts the right yes, side. It okay, it's right. a million percent the right side. It is always the right side in a service academy game. It's a loss for me. Tom, Tom got me on on that one. Um, it was really annoying that uh, Rice Charlotte went to overtime. Otherwise, it would have had that. But I got a nice gift in Bader TCU, so that that broke that break kind of evened out there. Um, we had the Dracovic stuff right. And then Burmeister gets hurt for Vatek. And they don't come close to scoring 47 points. I'm like, damn it. You got to be kidding me. Uh, but overall, you know, solid week. Solid week indeed. Gentlemen, turn in our attention to week 11. Y'all ready to lock it up? Let's do it. it. 
you're picking locks. My blue plate special five-star locks are coming. Since 2005, when Service Academy's locked. Come get these locks. Five-star master lock. Lock it up. The under is 33.91. We've gone over it 80 million times. You want these locks? I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every, every point, every cover. So that means it's 6-0 and since you first voiced the uh, initial Service Academy under? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's a sure thing. It's never what the numbers say. It's a sure thing. Um, okay, let's begin it with the early birds for anybody who's listening to this game. One Thursday night game, but it's exciting. I mean, we got North Carolina coming off the win against Wake Forest, traveling up to the Big Mustard Bottle Pit, uh, number 21 in the College Football Playoff Selection Committee rankings, favored by about six and a half at home, over under at 73. Anybody got to play for Thursday night football in the ACC? I mean, just me? I'll, no, I'll take one, too. Go ahead. You lead it off. Uh, under. I think that this number is too high, and I'm not expecting the game to play out quite like North Carolina Wake Forest. And, um, you know, it's just... While North Carolina overs have been a bag that I dip into over and over again because the defense will give up a lot of points and also... Uh, you know, offense with, especially with Sam Howell kind of becoming a big part of the ground game. Ty Chandler's put up a whole bunch of yards in recent weeks. You've always got the explosive potential of Josh Downs on the outside. I just see this game uh, being played a little bit more uh, conservatively on both sides. You know, the approach to this game is is not to avoid uh, basketball on grass, but especially given the setting, especially given the short week, I think it's just like, a tad more methodical uh, in terms of both teams. It might be a sweat because touchdowns can come really, really fast with both of these quarterbacks. But over the course of the game, I think this is just a little bit too high. And so I'm going to go under. Lock it up. All right. I'm in a game. Oh, wrong one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the same reasons. I think when I, I don't know, I think I texted you guys the group. When I was watching uh, Sam Howe run all over the place, and I know they got Ty Chandler going, I'm like, man, he's taking a licking. Like He takes a lot of hits in this system running the ball as much as he does. I think Pitt will be better against the run, maybe force them to be a little bit more one-dimensional. I kind of want to lay the points and take the Pitt Panthers at home, but this almost has a feeling of a big game under type feel, like it is prime time. There's going to be, should be a pretty good atmosphere. I don't know exactly what that means for a game at Heinz Field on a Thursday night, but I think it'll be a pretty good atmosphere. And so I'm, I, I don't think it'll be this shootout that everybody's anticipating. I could, I, I agree with you. I think it'll be a sweat towards the end, but it's just a little bit too much. And what's the number we're actually getting it at? 72 and a half. Okay. I thought it was 73 and a half, but it's still. I'll still go. We're moving yeah. lines here moving on the lines lines podcast. <laughs> yep. it's actually, I mean, it's 71 and a half at FanDuel right now. So it's it drops in places. So I don't know if there's uh, some news coming that we don't no, know. Maybe I, aren't privy to yet. I think that everyone is uh, listening to the Cover 3 podcast right. live on YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and unloading on this. I mean, uh, like you said, Danny, a weeknight short rest. I mean, t- the idea that uh, North Carolina is going to come right back around and play the exact same game that it played against Wake Forest, I think it seems a little bit uh, of a stretch for me to for me to feel uh, comfortable with it. My my concerns about your under, like I I took North Carolina plus seven for the tw- tip, but I don't love anything in this game tonight. It's just it's the only game going. But you know, like when they've played good offenses, they've given up points. 
You know what I mean? They, they, like they've dominated bad offenses, but when they played Tennessee, they gave up 34. Hell, Western Michigan put up 44 on them. Uh, Miami put up 30 or 38 on them. Even Duke last week put up 29 on them. This is a pit defense that I don't think has been nearly as good over the last month than it was early in the season. And it's not a yeah, yeah true. And it's not the pit def like there's no Jalen Twyman like there's no like the the rotation. Servasier uh, Dennis. Uh, I, who plays a little bit of sort of like a linebacker type position for the Panthers has been awesome, but this is not a pit defense that has multiple NFL players. Like some of the Pat Narduzzi groups that we've seen uh, during his time with the Panthers. Okay. What about Friday night action? Uh, Cincy is going to be playing in Raymond James stadium at USF. Uh, you've got Wyoming traveling to play Boise. Anybody got any Friday night plays? I don't have any locks. I do like South Florida and the points just because the way Cincinnati's been playing lately, it's kind of difficult to trust them laying 23, 23 and a half. And also South Florida the last few weeks is a team that is improving, like it's getting better. So I wouldn't be surprised to see if they put up a little bit feistiness as we've talked about. And then for the other game, again, not a lock, but over in Wyoming, Boise State. I, I feel like that's a lot of confidence in Boise's just, offense. Just sitting there at 48 and a half. Like if it's below 49, I feel like over is the place to be. I'm going to. Uh, Dan, Danny, are you. I got you, game. I got locks in both. I want some action oh, out there. Yes, All right. Let's go. Let's go. I, so I don't. I. I I, I think you're on the fence. I don't know if I could push you over. You have more discipline. I, the discipline, Danny's out the window, too. No discipline whatsoever. I want action tonight. I want action tomorrow. And I want action all day. Cincinnati, what have we said the last three weeks? Man, they need to impress. They need to go ahead and impress the committee. And what have we seen every single week? They've kind of sputtered around in two of the games, Navy and then this past weekend, against Tulsa they've almost lost these games like it hasn't even been close to the eye test and it hasn't been even close to the cover too South Florida has been pretty competitive you mentioned the game last week against Houston this team played BYU pretty tough was pretty good team out there so I think you're going to get South Florida's best shot in this one and until Cincinnati like I'm going to go ahead and keep saying until Cincinnati shows me that they're this team that everybody wants them to be and again this is not a playoff take this is a Cincinnati what the reality is they have not shown us the ability uh, the ability to impress and to blow us away with blowouts and whether it matters or not to the playoffs is a different discussion but until they do this number is too big for me so I'll go ahead and take the Bulls playing at home maybe a little bit humid playing in Florida maybe that could impact them as well and then the late game wait I'm gonna go oh there we go so oh yeah. yeah Timmy McLean is the name that we want all Dana Holgerson could talk about is the freshman quarterback who's dual threat, who ran around and gave a Houston defense and a Houston defensive line that I think is pretty good. Absolute fits in the beginning of that game. Cincinnati has an awesome, awesome defense. And when it won against Notre Dame, it's best win of the season. It really helped that when Jack Cohn was in there, that boy can't move around. And when that defensive line is going to have to chase around uh, Timmy McLean throughout the entire game. I just think that USF is going to have just enough success to be able to stay inside this number. So I'm, I'm right there with you, Danny. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm locking it up with the Bulls. And then in the late game, I'm not going to touch the total. 
I'm going to go ahead and stack the Boise State Broncos, who have really been impressive throughout the season. I think they're significantly better than their record says they are. I mean, well documented, the 21 nothing, you know, blown lead, the one point loss to Oklahoma State. They played Nevada pretty tough. They beat BYU. That was one of my picks. Losing to Air Force, I don't think there's any, like, that's not an egregious loss. And then coming off a really impressive win against Fresno State, Hank Bachmeyer, one of the better quarterbacks in the country. I think Boise State's kind of looking to let out some frustration by people disrespecting them, saying, oh, this team's only five and four. I think they're a significantly <laughs> better team than that. So I'll go ahead and lay the 13 and a half. Is that what number I'm looking at? Yep. Perfect. I, I played this 15 and a half, um, but I'm definitely not going to lock up. There's some 14 out there. I really don't want to lock that up at this point. Had a good email from one of our listeners. He explained to me that Boise got got a good number of guys back on the offensive line, uh, which really was a difference maker last week. And uh, again, just a reminder, it's really important to pay attention to who's, who's actually playing in college football. We almost overanalyze it in the NFL space. And in college, oftentimes, it doesn't really get discussed. So thanks to that, that listener. When you said the 15 and a half, that meant you were laying it. We no, no, I played Wyoming, and now I, I kind of regret doing so. Yeah, I mean, I, it moved in my favor, but like you know, I don't love it. Is that was like a why does Boise State deserve to be favored by this many points? Yeah, I mean, when you're firing on Sunday, I'm just trying to be a lot more correct than I am wrong. I'm going to get some wrong, and I mean, it, it you know, like I pay attention to injuries. I try to care about it, but like you're not going to get every single injury diagnosed correctly, and I, that was one I just missed. Turning the page to Saturday, some of the biggest games. Uh, Michigan on the road at Happy Valley. Um, as I'm looking at it right now, I don't have the full board, so I don't know what our best numbers are, but one, one and a half in favor of the Wolverines. Over under a 48 and a half. Anybody getting in on this Big Ten East showdown? I am. Me too. Go for it. Give me Michigan minus one. I just... I. <laughs> I think Penn State should be ranked this week based on the other teams that are ranked. But I also don't think Penn State is a great team. And I think that offensively, we've talked, I've talked about it all year. They can't run the football. And they're going up against a Michigan team that has two terrific pass rushers and a strong pass rush overall. And there's no way in the world they could slow it down because Michigan doesn't worry, have to worry about their run game. So they could just pin their ears back and go get Sean Clifford. And I think that is going to be a problem for the Penn State offense as they've become a unit where it's pretty much everything is on Sean Clifford and Jahan Dotson right now. Like, unless those two are making plays, Penn State is not moving the ball consistently. And those two just aren't capable of doing it all by themselves, especially against good defenses like this Michigan defense that they'll be facing on Saturday. Meanwhile, Michigan, for a couple weeks there on the offensive side of the ball, they kind of struggled to run against both Wisconsin and Rutgers. But while they're not to the same seven and a half yards per carry clip they were in their non-con, they've improved a lot the last few weeks in the run game. And also, it's coincided with their passing attack becoming much more of a viable you know, option for them. They've become much better balanced than offense. And I remember any Michigan team being under Harbaugh, probably maybe the entire tenure he's been there. I, I just think that offensively, they look better than they have at any point in the recent, you know, in their recent history. And I just think that they're a better team than Penn State. So even on the road in that environment, it is scary taking Jim Harbaugh as a road favorite, but I think it's the right play. I'm going to take... I feel a little bit nervous about it because of all those nice platitudes that you said about the Michigan offense, but I'm going to take the under in this game. It just, it feels, um, if 
if we want to acknowledge that, you know, Michigan's growth in the passing game is a credit to the the quarterback play, uh, the unit itself, you know, Michigan State also has been revealed that that is a, a little bit of a weakness defensively for the Spartans. And I've, I've looked at that data point in a lot of a different light. And Penn State on the back end of its defense is pretty, pretty good. Uh, you Like you said, it's all about Jahan Dotson hitting explosive plays and the inability to run the ball has me feeling confident that Michigan wins at the line of scrimmage most downs when Michigan is on defense going up against Penn State offensively. I think that the the scores will be there for Penn State because of the explosiveness and the possibility of Dotson, but I just don't think it's going to happen consistently enough. Uh, I think this one plays right into our hands for our, our, our perfect Big Ten expectations of a game that's decided in the you know high teens to mid twenties. So I will go with the under. Are there any 49s left? Nope. Okay. 48 and a half. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's where we'll go. Let's lock up uh, the Michigan Penn state under. If it helps, it is supposed to be cold and windy with possible rain. I mean, Bud, you got any play? You're muted. You're muted. I do. Um, I want to know if chip might want to join me on, on this one. I am going to go to a first half play on this. Uh, we could have a little, maybe a little snowflakes. I mean, if you're looking, I'm looking at kickoff temperature, 38, precipitation, 40%. I mean, I'm not a huge math guy, but it seems to me like that could be snowy, could be cold. You know, Wait, that's is, rain. That's rain. Is precipitation percentage about the chances that it rains or the percentage of the coverage area that will receive rain? It's precipitation. Like, so if it's below 32 or typically 35, it depends on, oh God, uh, it depends on the air temperature up in the clouds, whether it's going to be snow or rain for the most part. Like it could be above freezing on the ground, but if it's cold enough up high, it'll be snow when it comes down. But it's like, yeah, I think that it when, they say, stick, when they say it's a 40% chance of precipitation, whether it is snow or rain, I think it has to do with, they're saying out of this area that we have determined, whether it's a zip code or a city or whatever, this percentage of the coverage area will receive rain as opposed to, oh, there is a 40% chance, like on the odds side of things. So spotty, cold, rainy, wet, but I love it. I mean, it, it helps, it makes me feel more confident, but I like that. I'm going for the first half, Chip. I'm going under 24 in the first half. Uh, Penn State is really good, really good at preventing explosive plays. We saw that against Ohio State. I don't think you're going to have explosive plays, at least not early, to Michigan. On the off chance this game gets out of hand and somebody has to start gambling a little more on defense, I think that's maybe when the explosives could come. I expect a, like a tight, low-scoring first half in this ballgame. So I'm going to play the under 24 in the first half. It is supposed to snow here tomorrow night, which I'm very excited about. I'll lock it up with Bud because I was going to go with Chip and Bud sold me on the first half under. So I'll go ahead and do that. Like, it sounds good to me. It makes a lot of sense. And I do worry if the game goes one way or another that it brings that into play. Uh, I also have another play where I'm going to be fighting somebody. I have three reasons why I'm making this play. I'm going to go ahead and take Penn State. Give me Penn State. Fight. 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 We've got a fight, and we've got a lock agreement, me and Chip. So there are three reasons why I'm taking this play. One, out of spite, because the committee has these teams both ranked incorrectly. The fact that Michigan is ranked one spot higher than they should be, and the fact that Penn State is not ranked is egregious. I swear, I think they just forgot that they were on the board. I think it just kind of slid under the radar. 
I do think that will irk some Penn State players for that reason. The other reason I'm going to take Penn State is Tom is way ahead of me. So I need to catch up and try to get him. I'm going to go ahead and jump on it. And I don't think it's that crazy to take Penn State at home against the Michigan team where I'm still kind of looking at him. You mentioned Cade McNamara in this newfound passing game. It's still kind of reverted back. I know we had two touchdown passes last weekend against Indiana, but it was very more game manager-esque. So that's one reason why I like Bud's play with the under in the first half. And then the third reason is I had three cups of coffee this morning. I am jacked up. I am ready to go. I am just spraying the board all over the place. By the way, Brooklyn Water Bagels, shout out the coffee ice cubes. Game changer in iced coffee. Three cups of coffee. Danny might have to leave halfway through the show for a few minutes. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I might have to. (laughs) Hey, you you need that. Happy Veterans Day uh, to all who do serve and who have served. Uh, It also means the kids are home, which means Danny needs the extra boost. (laughs) He's not just dealing with us. Uh, The girls are in the house, so he's doing a lot right now at uh, Chateau de Canel. Also in the noon slate, uh, top 15 matchup. Oklahoma off last week. Back in action, going up against Baylor, bad loss to TCU, uh, but you're back home at Waco with the chance to take down the Sooners and really put yourself into that Big 12 championship conversation. The Sooners are five-and-a-half-point road favorites, over or under sitting around 62. Who's got to play? Boomer. Lay them. Big-time alarm bells about Baylor's performance last week. The immediate exit of Joey McGuire, somebody who from a personnel and locker room standpoint, I'm not close enough to the program to to say this confidently, so I say it recklessly. I'm going to say like that is somebody who has to do with your culture, the heartbeat of the locker room, like a real relationship. People sell me Joey McGuire like he's got these awesome interpersonal communication skills, like he's really good with everybody. And I just think the, you know, before the end of the season removal from the picture, I don't know. That's enough for me to think that the disruption, the loss to TCU, it's just not a time where I'm going to call for Baylor to pull off the upset. I, I don't think it's going to be a circle of the wagons for Baylor. I don't think it's going to be a good check Saturday for Baylor. I think Oklahoma comes in off the off week. Caleb Williams looks great against a very good defense. I don't think he's going to have a crazy statistical performance because that Baylor defense has my respect and most quarterbacks going up against Baylor's defense that have played below their averages, except for Chandler Morris, who didn't have any averages. Uh, and I think Oklahoma wins this game by at least a touchdown. So I'll lay the points. Lock agreement. I just, I mean, I'm not really factoring the Joey McGuire part of it, but I don't hate it. I just think that Oklahoma coming off the bye getting some extra time to maybe work out some of their issues on the defensive side of the ball, not fix them, but at least get some things figured out going against a Baylor team that is an offense that has actually been pretty effective, like vertically in the passing game, which is where you worry about Oklahoma's defense, but it's still an offense that runs the ball a lot and it sets up those deep shots with its run game. But Oklahoma's defense against the run is actually been pretty okay so i think that they could you know limit what they're able to do vertically a bit because of that and i think that oklahoma's the better team i think last week against baylor like we kind of saw what i was talking about at tcu like defensively 
they can be gotten, like you said, Chip, they can be gotten defensively by a vertical passing attack, and we know Oklahoma's capable of doing it. So I just think this is kind of a bad matchup for the Bears. So I'm taking the Sooners. I'm going to play the under here. Uh, can I get a 62 and a half? See a couple uh, of my things. Yeah. All right. So I, I played this as 64. Um, Dave Aranda against Lincoln Riley. I, I feel like Aranda had a good plan for him the last time these two met up in the Sugar Bowl. Um, also, we've been talking about for about a month here on this podcast about how Oklahoma is going to be getting some of these defensive backs back and how betting them in Oklahoma was not a good idea because they had a bunch of guys who I just saw play seven on seven down by Danny like this time last year and they weren't really ready for Big 12 competition. I think they should have some of those guys back. I just think this this total should be like 58-59 and not 62 and a half. Uh, I agree with 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 Tom there. I, I think uh, they will probably try to limit the explosive plays through the air and see if Baylor's run game, which has been okay, uh, yeah. can, can do them. You know, I also note, like, yes, Baylor's defense got torched by, uh, by TCU last week, which is problematic if you're betting it under. And, you know, they were up pretty big on BYU, right? Uh, which is when, you know, BYU got a lot of their passing stats. They did an okay job against Brock Purdy, who's not explosive in any way. Uh, I just think this total is a little too high, so I'm going to play the under. I'll tell you, I don't have a play in this one. My guy Dusty, who I do my radio show with, he lives in Norman. He, like, waves every morning to Porter Moser, the basketball coach, every morning. His kids play with, like, half the staff at the Oklahoma football team. He keeps telling me he thinks, like, this is going to be the ramp-up moment for Oklahoma, like, to kind of finish the season strong and start turning heads, so for what it's worth. Also, like, Lincoln Riley off a bye just sounds like something I don't want to stand in front of, just on a schematic standpoint. I'll, I will I will offer some respect there uh, to uh, to the offensive mind of Lincoln Riley and his quarterback, who, uh, hey, you got thrust into the spotlight, and now you've had that off week to continue to put in work and uh, to be able to you know gel uh, even more into your role. Also, I mean, if you just got torched. What do you think you're likely to do? Double down and go more aggressive, or you think you're probably going to pull back a little bit and play a little more bend, but don't break? Mm-hmm. Maybe force Oklahoma some field goals. That'd be great. So let's. Uh, yeah, that would be great for for for, for Bud. Um, now let's turn our attention to the Georgia at Tennessee Neyland Stadium. Vol. Listen, we look at this game and we've had it circled, and we've had it circled because we said. The one thing that we haven't really seen is Georgia's defense be tested by uh, an explosive passing attack. And we said November 13th on the road, you know, is, is Hendon Hooker and this uh, Tennessee passing attack going to be able to you know expose anything? Well, if it happens, I don't think it, the odds makers are seeing it in a major way. Georgia is a 20-point road favorite over under sitting right there on the eight-touchdown number of 56. Anybody got to play? In this Georgia-Tennessee game, which you can see on CBS, the America's most-watched network, the Network of Stars, cbssports.com, where you can stream it for free, or in the CBS app. Uh, if you're watching on the streaming, catch me on the... Uh, Danny, you doing pregame here? I know we're all yeah. on it. Yeah. Pregame, halftime, postgame, all that coverage will be coming from uh, from your friends right here. So anybody got to play on Georgia-Tennessee? I just think this number's dead on, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Dan, Danny, if you I'll have one, go ahead. I'll go ahead and take one. I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to take the over 56. That's the best number I can get. Let me see what I can find you here. 
I, Danny, we can't go four ACC boys before the 30 minute mark. Are you thinking about it? Are you thinking about it? It is sitting here. 56 is the best. It's I could on find the card. <laughs> like the Georgia so, ten- Tennessee over is on the card. Whatever. I can't back down. Yeah, I'm, I'm in it. Go, you let's guys. go. ACC boys. Um, I think I cannot wait to see this Tennessee offense versus this Georgia defense. I don't think you'll see much. I think you'll see Georgia be able to impose their will somewhat against this Tennessee defense. But I also think there are some ways to potentially neutralize, not even neutralize, because they're still dominant, they're still good, but to put up some points against. And this was the case seven or eight years ago against Alabama's dominant defense. I think there are two things that you can kind of – help you have some success against Georgia and it's tempo and it's mobile quarterback and Tennessee does both of those things. So I think being able to go a little bit more aggressively, keeping them on their heels somewhat, you can at least dictate some of the looks will be a little bit more bland. And I know defenses are a little bit more adept at adapting to that. Adam Anderson out again. I just, I think, I think Tennessee, I think Josh Heupel, this could be a moment for them where they have some success against this one. See like a, 41 or 42 to 21 type of game somewhere in there where and maybe if it's even late but I think for for Hypo like the importance of getting some points late in this game just to kind of show some offensive prowess against this defense I think would be massive so I'm going to take the over I'm also going to be taking the over uh 42 14 would be the like gets us right there to a push no team has scored more than 13 points against this Georgia defense I think that Tennessee is going to be able to do it. Uh, but I also think that this is looking at the matchup and thinking that if if Georgia's defense does come out and maybe it, someone's lit a fire under their ass and they're like, we're going to keep them out of the end zone. You know, I like, Danny, you speaking to that mentality of the really dominant defenses and what happens late in the season in terms of really giving them an edge. Well, in that case, with the up-tempo attack that Tennessee is going to have, that means the possessions are going to be short, and this Tennessee's defense is going to get really, really worn out. Like, Georgia could get to 50 if Tennessee's offense is totally inept. And I think that that's what has me feeling like uh, the over is is the play here. Curious, Bud hates it. You going to go the other way? No, but I... I... I did think about going under. Uh, Tennessee has injuries to its running backs and against a team that can be, bring as many exotics as Georgia can. That scares me to have inexperienced you know, backs in there picking up the blitz. Um, Tennessee is also like a, an extreme bend but don't break defense, right? They're like uh, 90th in efficiency, but 20th in explosive plays allowed. So you know, we kind of saw them do that same thing to Ole Miss and they gave up I and mean, they still lost the game. I don't hate it. I just I, I'm not not gonna play the under. I feel like I've been locked in on Tennessee this year, except for the opening game. Um, the two teams that they've played that are Georgia's caliber, or I mean Georgia's better than these teams, but like the two teams that have athletes are Florida, who who they lost to by 24 and only scored 14 against, and Bama, who they only scored 24 against, but they gave up 52. So Georgia can get there. I'm I'm just gonna pass on this. Also in the 3.30 slate, we've got Purdue going to Columbus to take on Ohio State. The Buckeyes, 21-point favorites and over-under of 62.5. Anybody got thoughts on the spoiler makers in their uh, encore performance? I got a lock. Let's go for it. Give me Purdue plus 21. I just I don't trust Ohio State to cover three touchdowns spread right now. I, I think that defensively, 
they still have problems that sometimes haven't been able to be exposed by some teams. And I think Nebraska, as well as Nebraska played overall defensively, offensively, it was not a team built to exploit where Ohio State's problems is. I think with David Bell, Purdue can exploit it. Not to the extent where I think the Boilermakers are going to go pull off another top five upset and you know completely destroy the Big Ten's playoff hopes in, in a way, but... I think they can score enough points on this team to hang. And I also think offensively, Ohio State, we've talked about it. It's been a big topic. They struggle in the red zone. They struggle finishing drives. They're too pass happy inside the 20. They don't run it nearly enough. Maybe they changed that this week against Purdue. But this is also a really good Purdue defense. And we saw last week they struggled against a good Nebraska defense. Purdue's defense is better. It's got better pass rush. It's got, I think, a little some little better talent at a couple key spots and i think they're gonna give this buckeyes team some trouble now the difference of course is last week ohio state was on the road this week they're back at home so the environment won't be as hostile it's just i don't think ohio state's gonna lose this game i don't think they're ever really gonna be a situation where it's in the second half and we're like oh my god is ohio state gonna lose is purdue gonna pull this off but i don't think they're blowing the doors off purdue by any stretch i think this is gonna be a 10 to 14 point game not a 21 point game I've given incredibly uh, biased and preferential treatment to Florida State all week. I can only continue. And while there are some evening games which uh, have top 25 teams and have some interesting opportunities to drop locks and uh, and break down, which I hope we will get to in a little bit, our last featured game before the break, it is the renewal of the rivalry uh, at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. We've got Miami and Florida State. The Canes are two and a half point road favorite in Tallahassee over under of 61. Anybody going to take a lock? Yes. Miami. Uh, Florida State's defense is, is bad at giving up explosive plays. Miami is underpriced here because of all the turnovers they had last week. Uh, if that result against Georgia Tech had indicated at all, had the two teams moved, moved the, uh, the ball, this would be three and a half or four. At two and a half, I think you got to play Miami. Um, Tyler Van Dyke, like I basically took my numbers and looked at like the offenses since he's been inserted, and they have the number three offense in the country in that period. Uh, this is the best offense FSU's seen all year, including Wake with Van Dyke in there. So, Bud, go ahead, Bud Dick Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> I also played the over in this, but it's moved a little bit. Um, I don't think Miami team total, especially if you can find a 31, is a bad is a bad play either. I have this 35-30. Oh, I need to catch Bud too. So give me the Seminoles. Plus, I can back my guys. <laughs> I'll go ahead and take it. I think you'll get the best version of Florida State. I do think they still showed a tremendous amount of fight against NC State. It's hard to even pick a way to do it because I agree with all the ways that you just spotted it and watching Devin Leary torch that defense for four touchdowns and other quarterbacks throughout the year. I'm just hoping that Florida State gets healthy in this spot. Maybe maybe you see a version of Tyler Van Dyke in his first time in this game, which is different than anything else. You'll see that maybe come back to reality a little bit. So give me the Knowles here. The one thing that really scares me about taking Miami here is that Miami is dead last in tackling in the nation. And they are also like 115th or 120th or something in explosive runs allowed, which is the only thing FSU does worth mm-hmm. a damn on offense when Jordan Travis plays. And I do expect Jordan to play this week. Uh, so if that's how FSU wins, I, I can totally see it. Do you feel do you do you pay, like what what percentage do you pay attention to the public side of it? 
I there's everybody in their brother. You don't look at it at all. No. And, and I also like, I don't look at what's my coming in on Miami are like 90 in the 90 percentile in both the percentage of bets and the percentage of money. And it's not moving. It's not moving. Ooh. I think you know, it's because you've got a uh, like you don't have the true uh, you go figure it out odds makers move, but you definitely have the like who feels confident about this game. <laughs> Are very the varying levels of performance from both these teams, not to mention the rivalry factor. I I don't have a lock, but I'm very, very excited for it. I'm glad that you all have a lock fight so that we can uh, be talking about it on the chat. Shout out Mason Gilbert, who just said, is FSU going to beat Miami and Florida and get Mullen and Diaz both fired? Because that might happen if they actually were able to pull this off, which would be insane. Yeah. Uh, It's possible. (laughs) From our guy Mason. Coming up on the other side, we open up the board. All of Saturday's Week 11 action is available as we continue to roll out our locks next. It would be hilarious. That's that's what people in the chat are pointing out. That if if Mike Norvell is just a coach killer through the uh, through the state, that would that would be something else. Uh, Okay. Let's open up the entire board uh, is available. Actually, let's, let's go ahead and review for those uh, who wanted to jump in and who are watching on youtube.com slash cover three. Tom's got three locks on the board. He's got Michigan minus one, Oklahoma minus five and a half, Purdue plus 21. That is a lock fight with Danny on Michigan Penn State and a lock agreement with Chip on Oklahoma minus five and a half. Uh, I'm also on the under 48 and a half in Michigan Penn State. And then the uh, the triple... ACC boys lock agreement is USF plus 23 and a half, the over 56 in Georgia, Tennessee, and the under 72 and a half in North Carolina pit. Danny has uh, those three plus the lock fight with Tom on Michigan, Penn state, Uh, the first half under 24 in Michigan, Penn state. That's a lock agreement with bud. Then a lock fight with bud on Florida state, Miami, Danny Cashin, a three uh, bud laying a two and a half. So Bud's got the Oklahoma Baylor under 62 and a half, the first half under 24 in Michigan, Penn State, and Miami minus two and a half. All right, full, everything's available. Uh, I'm going to say Tom or Bud, why don't you go ahead and jump in here and uh, throw something on the board? Go ahead, Tom. All right, uh, ACC boys, I'll go to your world. I am taking Boston College plus two against Georgia Tech. Because what in the world has Georgia Tech done to deserve to be favored over anybody at this point? We kind of talked about it on Wednesday with the mailbag pod about how, like the 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 question asking about you know what signs could we see and you know they're Georgia Tech like what are our thoughts with Jeff Collins in that program? And it's I don't think Georgia Tech's bad. It's just we talked like Phil Yurkovic is back. Boston College is a much better team with him at quarterback than it is without him. So it's like you look at all the numbers from Boston College this year and you could throw most of them out because Jerkovic wasn't playing for any of those games. But I think that the line here hasn't really caught on to that and they're using what Boston College's performance had been without him. I think last week, his first game back, he didn't look great. He was rusty, but again, it is first time playing in like two months. I think going into with a full week of practice, preparing for an opponent, knowing he's going to be starting. I think we're going to see a much better version of the Boston College offense this week. So give me the Eagles plus two. They should not be the underdogs in this matchup. Man, I hope that you're right on that. Uh, I, I played the over. I think this came out 48. I was like, absolutely, all day. Georgia Tech plays nothing but crazy games. 
but I, your Quebec wasn't actually good last week, though. I don't think is my, no. and, but it's hard for me to tell. Like, is he still dinged? Is he damaged goods? Or did BC just run the heck out of the ball once Burmeister went out on the first drive? You know what I mean? So I, it was hard for me to get a true eval out of that. He was certainly favoring that hand when when he went down. If you watched it, he would like go out of his way to uh, to fall on his his non throwing side uh, even more than a quarterback normally does. I while they definitely shifted their approach once the the leverage in the game had been established. I did feel like I saw him come up with a couple first down throws that you were not going to see Dennis Grossell make. I mean, he's even at 70%, he is considerably better than Grossell. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, all right, bud. All right, uh, let's go ahead and go. I'm going to go really sicko mode here. I'm going to go Tulsa to Lane over 55. Uh, I know, you know Tulane's had some quarterback issues. Tulsa is not really that great on offense. And yet, I feel like both these teams can get it done and score a good number of points. I, this has gone against me, and I still like it. I played over 56.5 earlier in the week. I just think this game will be in the 60s. Tulane plays crazy pants games. They do. Fight. Ooh. Wow. Sicko mode fight. Uh, I'm on the under. I just I don't think Tulane's offense has been very good. I think that it is, it is very inefficient. Right. And I don't know how many. I think this is a Tulsa defense that is pretty decent, but also offensively, I don't really think Tulsa is that good either. And plus, finally, the f- true deciding factor here is it's a wonder. There are 13 to 15 mile per hour winds. Special teams are going to be impacted. Tulane and Tulsa can't really throw the ball to begin with. So now they're going to have to be throwing the ball into the wind. That's not going to be very helpful to them. So I'm taking the under 55 and a half. We will fight this one out on the field, sir. Let's see it. To find out what happens when the fifth best American Athletic Conference team <laughs> takes on the ninth best American Athletic Conference team with wind blowing. Oh, so excited. We could definitely tell you what happens when we bring this up on the show. Our live viewers go like, completely, <laughs> like oh, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. The chat loves it. The chat loves the sicko mode fight. Again, they got as excited as, uh, as we did about such things. Um, Danny, do you, you want, uh, take us somewhere, wherever you want to go. I will go to the big 12 where TCU is coming off a big win, inserting Chandler Morris in the lineup one week after Gary Patterson is fired and they go out and shock the world with that performance. They did rush the field, right? I think, didn't they rush the field? I want to say they did. If not, if not, maybe I, maybe it was a different game I saw. They should have. Yeah, right. Now they go to Stillwater against the Oklahoma State team that I could not have been more wrong about last week. But they showed me something. If I ask, like, what team do you feel better about right now? Like, are, is TCU going to be able to rekindle that magic on the road? Or is Mike Gundy's defense actually built to travel and maybe one of the more impressive defenses, not only in the Big 12, but in the country? I will say, give me Oklahoma State and the Cowboys at home Laying that 13, 13, 13 and a half. Danny, I love you. I can get you a 12 and a half. Even better. Give me the pokes. Laying the 12 and a half at home against TCU. I think that was more of a one game kind of capture, you know, lightning in a bottle. And I think it spoke more about where Baylor probably, we were really excited on them. We should be excited about the future, but they weren't ready for that moment. I think Oklahoma State is kind of getting better when they need to be, which is really going to be fun setting up for what should be a fun matchup for a Bedlam 
and uh, possible Big 12 championship game. So give me Mike Gundy's squad with that run game, Spencer Sanders, and that defense against TCU. I have a play for this one as well. It is not on the spread. I am taking the over 54 and a half in this one. I just think that the number's a little too low. I think there's value to be found on the over side of this thing. I think that TCU's offense... It was impressive last week. I think that Oklahoma State has a lot less tape to work with based on what they saw last week from what we saw for TCU for most of the season. That could impact their defensive preparation for it. And I just kind of feel like matchup-wise, this is a TCU defense that I think the Cowboys are going to be able to move the ball against, which I think plays well to your play, Danny. I, I think the Cowboys are going to be a little more explosive on offense this week than we've grown accustomed to them seeing. And I think I'd rather be on the over than the spread. So that's where I'm going. Wow. I'm uh, I respect it. Oklahoma State. You know they've got that little flag like under team, under team, under team, under team. But it's a different matchup. TCU is a little bit of a wild card, so I, I I like where you're going there. Um, I want to go ahead and jump on this. We've had a lot of conversation. Uh, Bronco Mendenhall, bless his heart. I mean he is just like all in on the. I'm going to tell you as little as possible about all of my you know, personnel situations, who's going to be starting, who's hurt, how hurt are they? And, you know, this injury for starting quarterback Brennan Armstrong, who leads the nation in total offense yards per game, happened against BYU near the end of the game. Uh, backups came in. We got a redshirt freshman and a freshman who are currently listed as co-starters. Bronco says he is planning to play with Brennan Armstrong in the lineup, but it will come down to how he feels, whether he can throw the ball comfortably and whether he can get out there and give it a go. I don't think it matters to my pick. I think if Brennan Armstrong plays, then it's probably a little bit more of a sweat. But Virginia's been a very good over team because that defense simply has not been very good. And as Kyron Williams continues to explode as the uh, rightly featured offensive weapon within this fighting Irish offense over the middle part of the season, Notre Dame has won 37 straight games as a favorite and has won 39 straight games against unranked opponents. Notre Dame can win this game by a touchdown. And if Brennan Armstrong does not play, which I think that, you know, we're all like betting here, I would bet that there's a decent chance that he might not play. And even if he, he does play, we're talking about the potential of any kind of re-injury or getting knocked out of the game. Isaiah Foskey is one of the best defensive linemen that Notre Dame's got, and he could come barreling down and cause all kinds of problems for Armstrong. Let's let's go ahead and lay the number. Notre Dame wins this game by a touchdown or more. So, thought exercise first. Okay. Does this number, in you guys' opinion, like, do you think this number includes Armstrong or it excludes Armstrong? That's why. That's the million dollar question. I've been trying to figure that out too. Because I think this number includes Armstrong. Personally, mm -hmm. like so when, I. when I pulled Armstrong out of my power ratings, all of a sudden it became nine point four. And for that reason, like, so here's the thing. If he's announced in, what does this line do? Maybe it goes to four. I'll play back some Unless of my. Not below three and a half or three. Right. So I'll play back. I'll play back some of it. I'll end up with you know Notre Dame minus minus five, five and a half. I'll have Virginia plus four. I'll risk a Polish middle. Whatever. It's not, that's not a key number. You know, that that's a, a term anyway. Where, where you, you you it may end up losing both bets. It's not a true middle. Um, lock agreement. Give me that five and a half Notre Dame. <laughs> Virginia's run defense is beyond terrible. They, all right, 112th in success rate allowed. 
125th in explosiveness runs allowed, which is that that's what I want to see in this game from them. 117 in rushing efficiency allowed. Uh, they're not quite as bad at stopping short yardage runs, but if, if Notre Dame gets up, I feel like they can salt the game away running the football. Um, a Polish middle. Yeah. Are we allowed to say that in 2021? I think we can say that. <laughs> is that offensive? I don't know. I, I don't know. It might be. Hey, like, right. like what is it? In comedy, the, the terms are set when you walk into the club, right? And if, when we are talking about gambling and betting, if that is the term as it stands, then... Uh, inverted middle is apparently the more PC term there. there I apologize. I never heard... I just, I just Googled Polish middle and then I got suggested uh, inverse middle. Or in, inverted this is middle. what's popping off on the uh, the, the deep dark pro group chats. Well, let's yeah. go. Let's go to the arm barn, and I'll step in here and give my uh, <laughs> give my take. Um, so the only thing that makes me nervous in this game because I don't like. I was looking up the backup Jay Woolfork, who is a two sport athlete, true freshman, won the backup job. Like, is he going to come in there and sling it around? Because I think that's the only way that Virginia hangs in this game, you know, and covers. Is if they score a ton of points because I don't they've given up points to everybody. The only thing that makes me nervous rib injury. Like, is this a pain tolerance issue where you know you say, how does Brennan Armstrong feel? And part of that conversation is, do you want to get shot up? And then it kind of makes me nervous if that's an option. And I don't know. I'm just kind of just talking about what like conversation that I have had in those situations. I was one who would have said, just if I can't hurt it worse. Give me the shot. I won't feel it for a few hours, and I might hurt like a bitch the next day, but I'm going to be, you know, at least I can play in this game. I don't know if it's that type of rib injury or it's something that could be more serious. I just don't know because that makes me a little bit nervous that Brendan Armstrong like plays the role of hero and says, yep, give me the shot. I want to play. I want It's prime time, ABC, and then it's sort of one of those rally the troops situation. But even then, still could impact his performance. So I think you guys on the right side, I just I don't know I don't know just something about this game feels a little bit iffy because I think it's like obvious like go ahead and lay the points with Notre Dame I'm like can can the can like this not be baked in can this you know is Brennan Armstrong not playing and that uh, possibility just not be baked in already I don't know something about it just kind of scares me I, off I think that like Bud said I just go to the other matchup Notre Dame's offense and like Kyron Williams against Virginia's defense I yeah I think the Fighting Irish will be able to. Uh, We'll be able to score. Also, Virginia has a slim chance, but still a chance to win the ACC Coastal. And with Pitt coming up, I think next week, like of the three games that are left, you got this Notre Dame game, uh, then Pitt and Virginia Tech are the last two. If Virginia is going to win the ACC Coastal, would you rather have Brennan Armstrong for the closers against Pitt and Virginia Tech? might also be part of the calculus. I, I don't know. We are talking about a team that smashes rocks in the locker room. So if it is a pain tolerance thing, Danny, yes. I think he might be out there. Yeah. But again, uh, you know, you'd be betting on the, the potential of whether or not he's How many teams smash rocks? I think Mike Norvell's Florida State Seminole squad smash rocks, right? Doesn't Vatek do it as well? I think they might do it too. Well, they do the, do they smash the rocks? Yeah, they, I think they do. Whole um, lot of rock smashing going on. Yeah, hokey stone, and then of course you know the famous Eastern Michigan when you came out to run through the uh, all the cement and they wouldn't quite knock down. They were going to be running out of the tunnel, and hammered away the cement blocks, but uh, didn't end up run around it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Can I get another play in this game? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Under thirty-one and a half first half. Uh, Avery Davis is their slot uh, receiver for Notre Dame. Not he anymore. is now out for the year. 
That suggests to me they will use more multiple tight end formations and will look to run the ball even more. Uh, so, and I have to imagine whether or not Armstrong plays, uh, Notre Dame is going to try to want to limit Virginia's explosive plays, uh, given that it doesn't have the ability to probably be all that explosive through the air itself with yet another receiver down for them. So under 31 and a half, first half. Uh, there is some 33s and a half out there, or at least one, but that's that's an offshore. So I'll go with the more consensus number. Tom, where do you want to go? I'll get this one. Uh, South Carolina plus one at Mizzou. I think think Beamer Ball is going to get bowl eligible on Saturday. We kind of touched it a little bit yesterday when we were do, playing bowl or no bowl, but it's this really it boils down to something pretty simple for me. It is that Missouri's defense is terrible. Like this is a defense that ranks 127th nationally in success rate. It ranks 127th nationally in points allowed per possession. It ranks 127th nationally in defensive EPA. Where it's better is that opponents have scored on 48.1% of their possessions against this Missouri defense. That ranks 126th. So you look at this team, and whether you're looking at the traditional stats or advanced stats or whatever, any kind of stat you want about defense, they all tell you the same thing. Missouri can't stop anybody. And if a team can't stop anybody, I sure as hell am not going to trust it as a favorite. So give me the game, Cox, plus a point. I'm not going to fudge. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, would that only just be for fun? Like, just on the No, on the I, I will say, like, Missouri showed me some things yet uh, last game defensively. They, they stifled Georgia's inside run game much more than I thought they would. Georgia actually had to adjust a little bit. Like they, they came out, they gave them some, some difficulty. They had to run a little more of that crack toss stuff on the outside. I think they had to start throwing the ball more than they probably had planned to get their lead. South Carolina can't throw the ball. Uh, so if Missouri's run defense is at all improved from getting healthier, I think they're live in this game, but I'm not locking it up. I really just want anybody plus three or better here, which I'm not going to get. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'll go ahead and take Mizzou. Fine. <laughs> I'm catching our guy, Tom. Yeah. Let's go. I'm wow. making some big inroads on Tom. Playing at home could be a little chillier. I'm, I I haven't uh, – Connor Bazelak's bike back, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I like it even better. I think that game was a little bit like – deceiving the whole Florida win. And it was a big win for Shane Beamer and the program. But I'm going to go ahead and take Mizzou. Tyler Beatty is going to run all over South Carolina. Let's go. God, and it's for, our, it's for our guy, Eli Drinkwitz. Like, this could be this could be a must-win game for him, uh, or else we may not see him on the sidelines anymore. But we tackled both South Carolina and Missouri in bowl or no bowl. They're both sitting there. This is a massive game. And just like we are taking you to the biggest games between the sixth and eighth place teams in the American Athletic Conference, we are tackling the sixth and seventh best teams in the SEC East as well. Uh, just really making sure that we're well-rounded here. I, Bud, you used a term earlier. Uh, I believe it was for uh, Tulsa Tulane where you're thinking about a crazy pants game. And I immediately not because of the designs of the pants, but I immediately thought that that would apply to my next play where I am going back and reviewing Michigan State's defense. And I'm seeing how both Michigan and Purdue were able to move the ball through the air. And I'm looking at the next opponent, Maryland, and I'm thinking about what Maryland is able to do well. It doesn't matter whether you lose your like first, second, or third wide receiver. Like, daggum it, the Terps are still going to sling that ball, and they're still going to find ways to hit explosive plays through the passing game. So Michigan State 
Kenneth Walker the third. I, I think that this Spartans team is still going to hit explosive plays against the Terps defense, and I think that Maryland is going to be able to move the ball. I can't have the red zone failures that we have had at times with Maryland. That is my bet. Like my, I am extending confidence that this Maryland team that has struggled to finish drives will find ways to finish drives against Michigan State, but I will take the over, the best number I can get it, in Michigan State, Maryland. Good luck. What is the best number you can get there? 60 and a half. I'm going to be disciplined. I've already bet this under 63 and under 62 and a half. It's going to be windy. Maryland still doesn't have its two explosive weapons in Demos and Jason Jones. Since those guys have been out, they don't hit explosive plays on anybody. But my, my last number to bet is 61 and a half. So I'm going to pass. Well, no, I do see a 61 and a half out there. There are two of them. South Point and Cir- and uh uh, Chris, can I get the under 61 and a half? Uh, yeah. All right, let's fight. Fight, 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 fight. I'm being a bad influence on everybody today. <laughs> you got the Terps helmet up there. Yeah. Take, come on, come on, take the Terps. <laughs> Terps. I, all right, I'll take uh, the Terps getting 13. That's my oh, number. Well, yeah. Let's go. 130th pass defense in the country. Leah talking below. He's gonna be slicing and dicing them. Let's go. Give me the give me uh give me the terps. You're right. I forgot about the helmet. That was, uh, firing. <laughs> that was Scott Van Pelt's parting gift to me when I got fired from ESPN. <laughs> Whether he knows it or not. <laughs> we have oh talked about that uh that, that late night clean he just found out because I did Rosillo's podcast the other day and it was up there. And Rosillo saw the LSU helmet, which I stole from him. And uh, he pointed it out. So there's some bad blood out there. <laughs> that belt's going to be upset. But now I'm back in his turps. Let's go. I will say, Chip, I worry for you because you talked about Maryland's you know, red zone struggles. Do you, know, do you know which defense is 10th in the nation as far as red zone efficiency? Michigan State. Yeah. Yeah. By the way. <laughs> 12, 13 mile an hour winds here, Tom? Yeah, it's going to be windy. <laughs> Not super windy, but no. No, 14 to 17 is when we really start uh, doing the alarms. <laughs> uh, okay, I've got one. I've got two left. I have three. All right. Uh, so how many you got? Like six. All right, you go. <laughs> fire away. All right. Uh, rapid fire. Rutgers plus seven. Indiana should not be favored. I don't care gonna... if the quarterbacks are back. They're not any good anyway. Yeah. This is the type of game I want to back Rutgers in. Just play a I'm... defensive game, lower scoring, maybe like the total's too low to bet the under, I think. But give me that plus seven uh, there with Rutgers. Okay. Up next, I'm just going to fire off a whole bunch of Big 12 unders right in a row. Give me Kansas, Texas under 62 and a half. Uh, Jordan Moore, the receiver who had words at practice. Uh, entered the transfer portal. So, again, kind of the same logic that I've been betting and winning with Texas Unders the last couple weeks. They, I don't think they're going to score that much, and I don't think Kansas is going to score all that much either. Already Did I already hit the uh, – we already did Oklahoma-Baylor under, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, um, yeah. Next one I have is Iowa State-Texas Tech. I played this under 59 and under 59 and a half. I still like it at 58 and a half, which is, is that right now. That is going to be a windy game. Have you guys seen that there? I like my numbers liked it before uh, that came out, but uh, I'm showing 16 mile an hour winds. Yeah, in uh, in, in, in Lubbock. Lubbock. Yeah, mm-hmm. so another under there. 
basically want to bet the entire board of the Big 12 under. And you have um, all season. Yeah. yeah. I just my, my numbers don't think these offenses are as good as like the Big 12 narrative uh, has it. We already took Notre Dame. Uh, give me Washington State plus 14. Another one? Oh, yeah. Tom? No. Okay. Plus 14? <laughs> yeah. Are you want to – I mean, like – you guys going to explain it, or are we just going to let Latifa yeah, do Yeah, I think talking? Washington State's been playing pretty good, and I don't trust Oregon against anybody. It's like a two-touchdown favorite. Like, they just have not been blowing out teams, and Jaden Delore has been playing pretty well. This team has actually kept it together pretty nicely since Nick Rolovich was fired. So, I think this, again, like, once you have that three in front of your name, you get everybody's best shot, including Washington State. So, until I see Oregon, like, start to really impress, I have two touchdowns too much for me. And what is the common complaint from Oregon fans who love Mario Cristobal and what he's done for the program, especially on the recruiting trail? He's made some some pretty good hires. You know, we've got some exceptions that we may take from time to time. But uh, Joe Moore had a certainly, I say, plus value coaching decision in terms of bringing him in to lead the offense. Uh, but I I think the word the like conservative it gets thrown away around a lot when you're a little bit, you know, like just trying to milk this game away. We're just trying to win by one point. We just want to get to the finish line. It is not a, a super aggressive blow you out type team. It is a team that I think is worthy of being right here in the mix of the college football playoff and the national championship conversation in mid November, but the style and the way that Oregon executes, I I think this is too many daggum points given the spot. I agree with that. Um, give me, uh, give me Houston Temple under fifty four and a half. That's uh, it's close to the last number. I want to bet that I already have under fifty seven and under fifty five there. Hey, can I ask a question? Yeah, is that like built into the Temple quit factor? Yeah. Uh, also, probably not very nice weather up there. I don't know how much Houston wants to be chucking the ball around a ton. Um, Dewan Mathis got hurt last game. I, I made this number 49, so I may just be way off on this, but it's still bettable uh, for me, which is basically just how I do the lock spot. I'm like, all right, what's the, what do I still like? And, you know, hit it. Uh, let me see what else here. I've got to play on that game. You do? Sorry, Tom. Yes. Uh, Houston minus 24 and a half. And it's very much what Chip just mentioned. Like, this is a Temple team that is just done. Like, their last four games – they have been outscored 180 to 27 <laughs> in those four games. They're allowing 3.67 points per drive. They've let opponents score on 57% of their possessions. And offensively, they're managing 0.61 points per drive. Like this is a Temple team that is done. It's just checked out. Houston is not ranked. Houston is playing for an AAC title. Houston is looking to impress somebody. A 45-3 to win might turn somebody's head. Maybe get them a 24 in the rankings next week. Ooh, I can see that. I, I, I just hope they don't pile it on too much, obviously, for, uh, for my shot. All right. Um, close to the last one here. UCF SMU over 60. UCF's defense has beaten up on some bad, some bad offenses of late, including Tulane and Temple. Uh, Memphis was missing its quarterback when it played UCF, and it was kind of on short notice. They had to play Peter Parrish, who's a runner. 
when you look at who UCF has played when they've played good offenses, and I would consider Memphis a good offense with Hennigan, but again, he didn't play. Uh, Cincinnati dropped 56 on that ass, right? Navy put up 34 on him. Navy's not great. Louisville put up 42. Uh, Boise State put up 31. I just think SMU can score 40, and I I, I think, you know, I, I really think that, that UCF can score like 31, 35-ish. 67 minutes of podcast, and no one has expressed any confidence in two games, which are between ranked teams. Number 11, Texas A&M at number 15, Ole Miss. Texas A&M favored by two and a half, over under a 56 and a half. And in Winston-Salem, we are going through the teller line at Truist Field, number 16, NC State, trying to make a withdrawal of a win against number two, Wake Forest. Wake a two-point favorite over under of 66 and a half, uh, even if there are no locks. Oh, yeah. We we have dentist, a dentist play. You got to get the dentist in here. But dentist even if there are now no is locks, five I and to, four on the year. I want to make sure we mention these games. All right. Dentist. Uh, what the hell is a dentist from? Okay, I found it. Five oh, and four. Yep. Five and four. Uh, plus the one I forgot to read on the show, which did win. I'm sure he'll remind us of that if we see him in person. Uh, I haven't seen enough positive injury news to believe Ole Miss is going to be much different this week than the last two weeks. Too many cluster injuries on offense versus good defense. This line is surprisingly low to me, so that is my biggest caution. But I'll take AM minus two and a half for the lock. I, I don't hate it. agree with that. Yeah, like I was. I played it at two. I just don't like it quite as much at two and a half to like lock it up. Um, I wouldn't hate the under there as well, but it, none, none of these uh, are super, super confident plays. So definitely not a lock in the NC state wake forest game. If I was, I would fall back on shout out to Hakeem Dermish trend is your friend, but wakes won 10 out of the last 12 in Winston Salem, including eight out of the last nine uh, NC state has shown incredible resilience to set up this opportunity that, you know, the Wolfpack had been staring down ever since they beat Clemson, like just be able to get to that wake game with a chance to win it and move into the driver's seat of the ACC Atlantic. Uh, wake Forest's roster, since they're all 28 and 29 year olds, they already know all the coaching cliches. Uh, they were in the locker room in Chapel Hill saying, We can't let UNC beat us twice. You know, next week we got to turn the page, this out of the other. Again, a lot of maturity, which is what I would expect from sixth and seventh year seniors that the Demon Deacons are just loaded up with. I I think this game could go either way. It's interesting that Devin Leary has played so well. I think NC State needs its running backs to win this game because Wake's po- a little bit porous defending against the run, and NC State's got a good offensive line. Um, I don't know, man. I, I would lean on the Wake Forest minus two only with the – uh, the long trends of the way that series has gone and so many of those Wake Forest wins, probably four to five come to mind in that 12-year run where NC State was the better team. A- NC State had more talented players and yet Wake found a way to to win that home game. But I think that this is not a you know more talented team type example. I think these are two very, very good teams and I have no clue how it's going to end. Probably with someone doing something dumb. And, and look, <laughs> last week it was Sam Hartman. Got through two picks coming down the stretch. It decided the game. A three-point game. Those two interceptions were everything. So who does not make a mistake? Devin Leary's done a good job of taking care of the ball. Sam Hartman normally does a good job of taking care of the ball. I'm very excited to watch it, but absolutely no strong feels on the locks. I I played NC State, Chip. I I got it three and two and a half, and I just don't – this scares me. This hasn't moved back 
towards me more. And I think the thing that, that I'm missing in my power numbers is style. Mississippi Pace? State threw the ball all over oh. NC State, and that's back when they were healthy. And I think if you look at it, while Miami is an explosive passing team, isn't Wake Forest the most precise passing team they have faced since Mike Leach's air raid team? Undoubtedly. Yeah, that scares me here, so I'm not going to lock it up. Honestly, I think had Wake won last week, I'd probably be all over NC State this week, but I got nothing for this one. Follow if Wake had won, the number's what, four? Mm-hmm. Follow the rhythms of the season. Uh, absolutely love it. I got uh, one more. I'll go ahead and, and uh, get it out and then uh, pr- get out of the way until Moneyline Sprinkles. Iowa-Minnesota under. You're going to throw a 37 on the board and not tempt me to go under? I mean, this is a service academy kind of number because as Tom has mentioned, with Minnesota's commitment to running the football, it might as well be a service academy team. And with the way that Iowa takes care of business, well, that exactly sets up uh, our good under team against good under team. Doesn't matter the number. I will go under. Uh, So is 37 still out there? Am I going to have to sweat 36 and a half? I got you 37 and a half. Okay. Trending in the wrong direction. Uh Uh-oh. Here comes the Gophers offense. All the normies, they're like, someone will get to 20, and I will go, aha, will they? (laughs) So, yeah, give me that under. I I don't hate it. I'm not on it. All right. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm all tapped out. Who else has still got something left? I've got two left. All right. Uh. First, I'll, I'll go with an under. I've only got one on the board so far. I'm going to take the Mississippi State Auburn under 50. Just not a ton of explanation for it. Just think it's a little too high. So I'm going that direction. And then for my final one, another over, which I have the same number of overs this week as I do unders. I don't know if that's ever happened on the show before, but I am taking the over 40 and a half in Wisconsin and Northwestern, simply because, as Danny learned last week when he took Rutgers against the Badgers, Wisconsin is back in bump slayer mode. They are just running over bad teams and doing what they do to them, and it's not like they could call off the dogs because they don't throw the ball to begin with. So once they get up and they just keep running the ball, if your defense can't stop them, they're going to keep running for more touchdowns. Northwestern's defense is terrible. I look at 40 and a half. I think Wisconsin could get there on its own. Instead, I'll maybe trust Northwestern to score three, six, maybe even seven points to help with pushes there. And also, Ches Malusi was announced that he is out for the year with an injury today by Paul Christ. Doesn't worry me because that just means more carries for Braylon Allen, and I think Braylon Allen's a better player. So, over 40 and a half. He's more explosive, for sure. Like, I don't know if he's more efficient. I played under 43 here at open, but, like, I, I don't even love that anymore. I mean, it, whatever. Um, I'm not going to fight you on this. Any Anything else before we do a quick review? I'll go yeah. ahead and take Wisconsin laying the 24 and a half. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. I'll go ahead and take that. All right. Uh, and then I got, I'm going to take in the Utah-Arizona game. I'm going to take Utah laying the 24. I think Utah is getting right at exactly the right time since they switched to Cam Rising like, and that's one of the reasons I think at Oregon, like they just want to get out of Dodge because they need to start paying attention to that game. I don't think Arizona's that good. And um, Utah has two um, dudes, especially Devin Lloyd on the defensive side of the ball, leads the Pac-12 in sacks and tackle for loss. He's probably a first-round talent. Their front seven, as it always is, is really good. So I like the under in that game as well. 
for in Utah, the, uh, Arizona. Utah, Arizona. All right, so we're doing a Danny DK double here. Yeah, two for one special. Let's go. What's the number okay. I get? Is it uh, fifty-four? 50? Is the best I could find you. Fifty-four, perfect. All right. Can I can I get one more on on log on fire here? <laughs> Hell yeah, you can. All right. Uh, I want under sixty-eight. New Mexico State, Alabama. <laughs> they didn't run the ball worth the damn last week. I think Nick Saban will try to establish the run more. Uh, if they're going to break out anything new for their final two games, now is probably not the week to show it. New Mexico State is not really an explosive offense, and uh, I mean, we certainly run the risk of what happened against Southern Miss here, but I, I just I got to play the under. Let's review for those watching on youtube.com slash cover three up Ooh. on the screen. A uh, lot, a lot of action. Uh, Danny was trying to be disciplined and he's, he's still one pick behind bud. All right. Tom has Michigan minus one, Oklahoma minus five and a half Purdue plus 21 Boston college plus two uh, Tulane Tulsa under 55 and a half Oklahoma state TCU over 54 and a half Houston minus 24 and a half South Carolina plus one, the Mississippi state, Auburn under 50, Northwestern Wisconsin over 40 and a half. Uh, that is a lock fight with Danny on Michigan Penn State. That is a lock fight with Bud on Tulane Tulsa total. And a lock fight with Danny on Missouri South Carolina. Lock agreement with Chip on Oklahoma minus five and a half. Uh, Chip's got Michigan, Penn State under 48 and a half, Oklahoma minus five and a half, Notre Dame minus five and a half, Iowa, Minnesota under 37 and a half, USF plus 23 and a half, Georgia, Tennessee over 56, North Carolina Pitt under 72 and a half, Maryland, Michigan State over 60 and a half, and Washington State plus 14. That is UNITY on Washington State. That is a lock fight with Bud on Maryland and Michigan State. Lock agreement with Danny on South Florida, the Georgia-Tennessee total, and the North Carolina Pitt total. Lock agreement with Bud on Notre Dame, and then the aforementioned Oklahoma with Tom. Danny's got Penn State plus one, Michigan-Penn State first half under 24, Oklahoma State minus 12.5, Florida State plus three, USF plus 23.5, Georgia-Tennessee over 56, North Carolina Pitt under 72.5, Missouri minus one, Washington State plus 14, Maryland plus 13.5, Wisconsin minus 24, Utah minus 24, two for one special. Utah, Arizona under 54. Uh, let's see what we haven't mentioned. Lock fight with Bud on Florida State, Miami. And yeah, that should be pretty much everything. Bud, Oklahoma, Baylor under 62 and a half. Michigan, Penn State first half under 24. Notre Dame minus five and a half. Miami minus two and a half. Tulane, Tulsa over 55 and a half. Notre Dame, Virginia first half under 31 and a half. And Rutgers plus seven against Indiana. Maryland, Michigan State under 61 and a half. Washington State plus 14. Kansas, Texas under 62 and a half. Iowa State, Texas Tech under 58 and a half. Houston Temple under 54 and a half. UCF, SMU over 60. And Alabama. New Mexico State under 68. We now turn our attention to those money line sprinkles. Uh, what do we have for the sprinkles this week? Do we go over last week first? Uh, last week, Tom got a win against you for UNLV. Losses oh, were West Virginia and Mississippi State. Chip got a win for Memphis. Losses were West Virginia and Washington. Uh, a win for Purdue with Danny. Uh, took an L on FSU, Auburn, and Liberty. And then a win for Bud on Wyoming, plus 155. Losses on USC, Southern Miss, and West Virginia. 
All right. Well, my money line sprinkles this week got three. Nothing too crazy, but <clears throat> decent. Uh, Syracuse plus one thirty-five. Dino drop. Let's go. Uh, agreement. Yeah. Yeah. And then Arkansas State plus one thirty. I know I said at the top of the show I'm not betting Sun Belt anymore, but this isn't. This is a money line play. This is different to me. I just think that the Red Wolves can get this win more than that price suggests. And finally, Nevada plus one thirty. Lock agreement. Ooh, love Ooh. it. Okay, uh, but uh, already said Cuse. Let's go ahead and give me. Uh, who else did I want? I probably should have this ready, right? I'm not even going first. All right, I got it. We're going to USF. Let's go. It would be hilarious if Ray J is firing cannons and the Bulls get the biggest win of the Jeff Scott era with Cincinnati in town on a Friday night, 6 p.m. kickoff. You don't walk in to that big old boat for a 6 p.m. Eastern time Friday night kickoff and think you're going to push around the home team and show them who's boss. Let's go Plus Bulls. 1,200. Yeah. Okay, one more, uh, two more. Uh, ECU going up against Memphis. We cashed that Memphis money line, big time letdown, big time hangover spot. Pirates need another win to go bowling. Schedule's a little bit tough. It includes Cincinnati at the end of the season. And um, whatever, UConn. The Jim Mora bump. Huskies in Death Valley. That's 15,000. What's the number? South Point has a 15,000. WinBet has a 5,000. And nobody else is even putting a, a number on this game. Yeah, I don't even see numbers. Chip, if you hit this, you could basically just not play the next three or four years and still be the LoxPod champ like in per- perpetuity. That's that's pretty impressive. How, how could I possibly take that, Dwight, that he asked in the chat? Because it would be hilarious. <laughs> Because, to find it. because we're going to have to tune into what, listen, even if Clemson wins oh, this I game. I can see the 15, I, I can see the plus 15,000 hits there. Yeah, I found it. All right. All right. Um, I found Sweet. my other two I want, by the way. Chip, are you done? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Okay. Okay. I, mean, I can hey. put no more units out there after taking USF and UConn. All right. I want Minnesota. Um, I know they just lost to Tom's Illinois team. Damn right. Iowa is capable of losing to anybody with how bad their offense is. Plus 195 is the best number I see. Yep. That was it. Andy, do you have anything besides Nevada? Oh, yeah. I'll take uh, – I'm going to take LSU. You see the helmet up there? Got my helmet play. Playing at home in Baton Rouge against Arkansas. I was actually impressed with the fight. I think maybe you see that again. I just look athletically. I think this team is more talented. I think they get the win. Uh, I'm going to go NC State. Our guy Devin Leary – Bud called it out. I started doing some research. Left off that Davey O'Brien is an egregious omission. And there were two. We said um, uh, Anthony Jones at uh, Oregon was one of the quarterbacks that we were a little bit surprised was ahead of him. How about Stetson Bennett on the list and Devin Leary is not? Like, that's the ultimate brand bump. You're just a quarterback in the number one team in the country. And it's been productive, though. Like, I'll give yeah. it to him. Anthony but he'd be Brown a top is not. 20. Like, I love the Stetson Bennett story. I absolutely love it. But the fact that he's on the Davey O'Brien is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And, like, we still every week, we're like, are we going to get JT Daniels? That, to me, is a little bit outrageous. Uh, I'm also going to throw – I have LSU, NC State. I'll go Baylor. A, I had a play last week at plus 180. Last week we had a uh, our, our pregame show. I said it's all going to take care of itself uh, parlay. Like Oklahoma, I don't know, like 
They've been complaining about their ranking. Like, hey, if you're not that good, they've been flirting with disaster. It wasn't that long ago that they were uh, losing to Kansas. So I'm going to say that one. Waco is going to be lit with all the people in town. Speaking of, you want wouldn't it be hilarious and everything comes out in the wash? I've been saying it all along. I'm going to swing for the fences. New Mexico Knoxville State. is oh. going to be crazy this oh, week. God. This could be the time for Hendon Hooker, who I've been watching film of, super impressive, up-tempo. Maybe they could get out early in front, keep that crowd singing, the checker block in the background. Like, put it out there. What's my number? And since Chip swung for the fences, I got to swing for the fences too. I can get you a 775. Oh, where do you got, Chip? Oh, no, I was guessing that it was oh. in the, in the 800. I got I two 900s on the board. Where? Perfect. Give me those 900s. Uh, so, you heard it. Uh, actually, uh, Give me those 900s. Circa has 945. Westgate oh, yeah. 900. South Point 900. I heard 945. Just so you always all know that too. I oh, went yeah. from the penthouse to the outhouse on my sprinkles, probably because of plays like this. We're still profitable as a pod, and there's no reason not oh, to. Oh, geez. I'm going to screw that up, aren't I? All right. Total, like, you know, college football non conspiracy theory thing that Dan is, that Danny was really on top of. So, if you don't think a two-loss non-champion Bama can get in, I think you need to put your money where your mouth is because you can bet right now Bama to miss the playoff and you can bet Bama to win the SEC, which means that obviously you get an automatic 16% return on your money on your total bet, which is pretty nice to have with Christmas gifts coming. Uh, if you really 100% believe that a two-loss Bama has no shot, and those numbers hanging out there like that imply that this is not like it's certainly a long shot, but it's not like a hey, one in a million type shot. I mean, you're getting 16% back on your money if you do that. I'm not going to do that because I think Danny's right. I think the committee's setting up a two loss non champ Bama to have a legitimate argument to get in and maybe put them in if the right things happen. I just want to give you some props around that. I mean, he is the CF Panon, CFP on Shaman. So. <laughs> He, he leads he leads the charge for uh, for the army wherever they go. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Reminder, we'll be back live on Saturday night, breaking down all the week 11 action in the instant reaction. We're going to be shooting for about 11.30 p.m. Eastern time, uh, plus or minus a few minutes, but uh, that's the target. And like I said... You subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com slash carpet three, smash the bell for notifications. Then you find out. So you can just be sitting there and boom, notification pops up, clear everything off of your coffee table, or maybe just project us onto, uh, onto your big screen. Make us a part of your Saturday night. Uh, we enjoy having the conversation. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. See you guys. See ya.